If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Good afternoon to my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 59 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on this Sunday, August 16th, 2020. Now let's get things started by, as always, giving our shout out to the Team Left Jab United Radio Network, as well as Grunt Talks MLB. First up, as always, Team Left Jab. They feature Team Left Jab on Censored and the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms at Team Left Jab and check out their great sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, you name it, the list goes on, guys. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab. And our other shout out goes to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website, grunttalksmlb.com, to see all of their baseball content and where they feature Yapping Yankees. Also, follow the man behind the website, Darren, on Twitter at YankeeReport28. Special thanks to Grunt Talks MLB and Team Left Jab for helping spread the word every week about Yapping Yankees. Also, don't forget, guys, that you can help spread the word every week about Yapping Yankees and stay updated on everything having to do with both me and the Yankees overall by following me on all social medias too. You can find my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. You can find me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds 97. Time just continues to fly, guys. We are in the middle of August already. August 16th, episode 59 of Yapping Yankees. Already a third of the way through the 60-game abbreviated season that we knew would go quick, especially since even the normal 162 tends to go by quickly for us. But it's speeding right by nonetheless, and quite a bit has happened this week. And while there may not be an overabundance of things to discuss like there was last week when we played catch-up since we had two weeks of material to cover, there are still a couple of important topics to hit on today that happened since we spoke last week, namely more injuries. And last week we hit on Giancarlo straining his left hamstring, Tommy Canely needing Tommy John surgery, and since then we unfortunately have had two more injuries, one of them happening just last night. And they're not big injuries, but they are injuries nonetheless. And one of them was frustrating because Aaron Boone seemingly just straight up lied to the media about it. And we'll get to that momentarily, actually, since this injury specifically that I'm talking about now actually has to do with this week's poll question. But we'll also get to the other injury that did go down last night when we get to Yankees news later, while also discussing Clint Frazier's huge impact in his return since he was called up from the alternate site earlier this past week. And obviously also recapping this past week's Yankee games and discussing how the Yankees have turned the corner for the better as far as winning is concerned. They definitely do seem to be doing much better as of this past week's games after the really aggravating way the Tampa series ended last weekend at the Trop, so we'll get into all of that. So obviously today the main discussion points are going to be players like Clint Frazier, some injury updates, and our weekly recap of this past week's Yankee games. So let's waste no further time and dive right into it all. We'll begin, as always, with this week's poll question on Twitter, and this week's question is... In light of Aaron Judge getting his very mild calf strain from this past week, and that is one of the injuries that I mentioned earlier that the poll question was about, and despite how minor it is, it is another injury, but because of the injury nonetheless, the question is, can you say you'd be comfortable giving Aaron Judge a long-term deal in the future? This has been a hot question the last couple of days in light of the minor injury that Aaron Judge just got with the mild calf strain earlier in the week, and of course, in light of it, you have people all over 
over the place discussing about whether he's truly injury prone or not, whether or not each person would give him a long-term deal because of his injury history, and it's just been a really hot discussion, and that reflects in the amount of people that participated in the poll this week, and we usually get really good interaction on each and every Yapping Yankees poll every week, but this one, again, even more interaction, lots of comments and replies, lots of thoughts being shared, and a ton of votes as well. Well over a thousand of you voted on Twitter on this subject. And of course, as far as the choices for the poll are concerned, the first choice is yes, that you absolutely would give Aaron Judge a long-term deal in the future, and the second choice is no, you would not give him a long-term deal in the future. And out of the more than 1,000 of you who voted, 61% of you said that you would give Aaron Judge a long-term deal in the future, so a lot of you still have faith in him and his capability to stay on the field in the future, I suppose. Or maybe you say that with the thought of being careful with the amount of money you give him throughout that long-term deal. But regardless, 61% of you did vote that you would give him that long-term deal in the future, and 39% of you, the remaining 39%, voted that you would not give him that long-term deal in the future. So obviously, here on Twitter, more of you would than wouldn't. Very, very interesting. And as usual, we got a lot of replies, so we'll read about 15 or 20 of them as per usual, and of course, you guys know the drill. Any of you who I don't get to, just keep on replying to the polls in the future, and I will get to you eventually. You know I will. And also, those I don't get to here on the show, I usually always read them on my own time anyway, and I do really appreciate the input nonetheless. You guys know that. But first off, I'll give my take just before we get to the replies. I'll give my take really quickly. I usually always give my opinions before we get into the poll replies, but I would just like to start off my take with saying that I truly do not think that Aaron Judge is going anywhere. I think this guy's a Yankee for life. I personally think that he is the epitome of a forever Yankee. I have always thought that, and I will continue to think that until the day that he is to leave, which, of course, I hope does not come. But I don't think Aaron Judge is going anywhere. And whether it be his fault from maybe not stretching properly, not getting loose properly, or his body just not being able to handle the wear and tear of a full baseball season... Or if it's from a freak injury as a result of something happening, like the hit-by-pitch from Jacob Junis two years ago, when Jacob Junis hit him in the wrist with the fastball. Regardless of whether it's just his own body, or if it's a freak injury inflicted upon him, like the Jacob Junis fastball to the wrist two years ago, it unfortunately cannot be denied that Aaron Judge has had a lot of injury struggles the last few years. And it really, really stinks, because I love Aaron Judge. You guys know I am a huge Aaron Judge supporter. I think the guy is an extraordinary talent. I truly do. He also has a great head on his shoulders, very, very mature and likable. We know all of this about Aaron Judge, but he has had his fair share of injury struggles. And it does make it even more of a frustrating situation when you know the player has the potential and the ability that Aaron Judge has. We saw what he was capable of back in 2017, given a full season, won the Rookie of the Year, damn near won the MVP, and in the minds of many, should actually be the true MVP of 2017 because of other circumstances, let's just say. There may or may not have been a trash can that played a role in that, but I digress. We know what Aaron Judge is capable of because of what we saw in 2017 when he had his full Rookie of the Year season, and even though he had his injury struggles in 2018, that was when the hit-by-pitch on the wrist happened with Jacob Junis, and he had his problems throughout 2019, if you take the numbers from the games that he did play in both of those years, in 2018 and 2019, and I know you can't live and die by these numbers because future projections don't always come true for a variety of potential factors. You never know what the future truly holds, so you have to take this with a grain of salt. But if you take those numbers from those games that he did play in 2018 and 2019, and did the math to find out around what those numbers would be had those seasons been fully played seasons, the numbers were still great because those years when he did play, when he wasn't hurt, he was still doing a great job. And of course, when you look at this year, before he had this very mild calf strain problem earlier in this past week, he was without question one of the hottest hitters on the planet planet to start this season. Before the very mild calf strain earlier this past week, he was batting 290, and even though he hasn't played since Tuesday, he's in a three-way tie for the major league lead in home runs with nine home runs. He's in a three-way tie alongside Mike Trout and Fernando Tatis Jr., and he has 20 runs batted in. He has these stats after already missing five days. Five days, including today, if they play tonight. And I say if, of course, because of the rain. 
But you get what I'm trying to say. Even to start off this year, he has looked phenomenal. We all know what Aaron Judge is capable of, and not even just at the plate, as I've been talking about right now, but even defensively. We all know how great he is out there in right field. He's solid at covering ground. He has one of the best arms, if not the best arm in the game, probably. He has a cannon out in right field. You never run on him, ever. And there are some people throughout baseball, for some reason, that have still not learned that, but they usually learn it the hard way when they try to test his arm out. And even on those throws that he makes where he looks like he's doing it so nonchalantly, yet it still travels like a bullet, it just makes me think I would do anything to see Aaron Judge just take a lead from the outfield wall get a running start, and then just absolutely launch that thing into orbit, I would love to see where that baseball goes. But he is solid defensively, and that's not even talking about the leader that he is in the clubhouse and the great guy that he is. Great head on his shoulders, as I was talking about before. Aaron Judge is the epitome of a forever Yankee, if you ask me. So again, for that reason, I don't see him going anywhere. I'd be shocked if he left. But again... There is the true side of it, too, as well, that baseball is a business. And because he has had his injury struggles, that's why, and I see why people would discuss it, people are asking if the Yankees should give him that long-term contract. And right now, as it stands, and as you may remember, this past offseason, the Yankees and Aaron Judge did agree to a deal to avoid arbitration just this past offseason, an $8.5 million deal, and he does have two more seasons with arbitration rights before becoming an unrestricted free agent. And it begs the question, what would happen at that point? And what should the Yankees do regarding a long-term contract? And if this continues to be a problem, my take is to just be wary as to how much money he's offered. Now, I know it's easier said than done because there might be a certain amount of money that Aaron Judge accepts and a certain amount that he doesn't accept. And what those exact amounts are, we have no idea yet because, of course, it hasn't happened yet. So there's really no true way to project exactly what amount of money might be good in the eyes of Aaron Judge and what amount of money might not. But as far as the years alone, I do think the Yankees are going to sign him to that long-term contract. I truly don't think Aaron Judge is going anywhere. I really don't. Just like I see him as a forever Yankee, I'm almost positive the Yankees see him in the same light. It's clear how much they value him. And even if it's for a bit less money, which I do prefer because I do understand that the injury problems are there, I do see them offering a long-term contract, and I do think that they should. Because I don't think Aaron Judge should go anywhere. Now, if it does end up being a money problem and it just comes to what Aaron Judge feels like he deserves, then who knows? It might become a problem because then at that point, it just becomes a factor of whether Aaron Judge might be willing to bite the bullet a little bit if it comes down to just a little bit of money. Would he be willing to take that little less money that he might want just to remain a Yankee because he loves it here so much and he values it here so much? Or would he very strictly take it from a business aspect and want every little amount of money he feels is owed to him and potentially look elsewhere, simply because of how talented he knows he is. Even though Judge would never openly admit something like that, he's just not that kind of a guy. And we all know how talented Aaron Judge is when he's on the field, but regardless of what could happen, because none of us know the future, I do think the Yankees should give him maybe at least six to seven years. The money is another story. And again, it depends on what happens going forward. If Aaron Judge can mainly stay healthy, it could change for the better for him. He could potentially be offered more money and maybe even more years. Or if the injuries get even worse, then it could take a turn for the worse for him. Again, there's a lot of factors here in the future that could change this on a dime. But when he returns shortly from this very mild calf strain going on, if he can stay healthy going forward and depending on what happens not only with him, but with the Yankees team overall for the rest of the year, and if he has a big role in that, it could change some things in the eyes of the Yankees and in Aaron Judge's eyes. He's got to prove he can stay healthy. But right now where we stand, I think six or seven years is pretty fair. I do. And call me crazy, despite the injury struggles in 2018, 2019, and for the very brief time that we're seeing it this year so far in this abbreviated season, I think Aaron Judge is too important. I think he is the epitome of a forever Yankee, and I don't think it's wise to part ways with that much talent, if maybe a six-year deal is what it takes. Because we've seen it. There's evidence. We know what he's capable of, and we've seen it a lot this year as well, despite him missing a little bit of time because of a very mild calf strain. 
but Aaron Judge is just a beast in every way, in every aspect of the game. And I think six, seven years is definitely fair as a long-term contract, just with the years alone. I've never really been a fan of nine, ten-year contracts, especially with guys that are already in their 30s. And next year in April, he's going to be 29, so he's on the cusp of 30. And you just often find with like nine, ten-year contracts with somebody that's on the cusp of 30 years old, the back end of that long of a contract usually just often ends up not really being worth it because he'll be around like 40 years old by then. And by then, naturally, usually a lot of production in a player will decline. So for me, if it means six, seven years, and then we'll talk about money later on because again, when it comes to what would be in this offseason or in a future offseason, a lot of that also depends on what happens with Judge going forward. There are a lot of factors that could change our thinking here. But I do think six or seven years is fair because at the end of that, he will be in his mid-30s or so. And for all the reasons I just named before, I just do think it's fair. Big difference between six, maybe seven years and nine, maybe ten years, especially when you're talking about someone who does have his struggles with injuries, staying on the field. Can't perform if you're not on the field. So I think I'd be okay with probably a six-year deal. I'll go with six years. But anyway, let's hear what you guys are thinking down in the replies. Again, we'll probably read about 15 or 20 of these before moving on to Yankees news. Then we'll recap this past week's Yankee games and we'll wrap up for today. First up is Scotty underscore does know, and Scotty says, The added downtime, along with shortened training, has impacted many players. After the 2011 NFL lockout, a very similar type of phenomenon occurred with injuries. This year is an abnormality. I think manhole cover contracts of 7 to 10 years are awful business. Judge should get a 3-year deal. Well, yeah, as I said before, I don't think 7 is absolutely outrageous, but yeah, as I said before, once you start getting to 9, 10 years, that's a bit much for me. I just really don't like 10-year contracts. I really, really don't. But yes, of course, this year has been just unlike any other. Not a regular lockout year or a strike year or whatever. Just unforeseen circumstances in a year where we have just seen nothing short of just straight-up chaos. But yes, also, the downtime, that was also a topic of discussion on many episodes here on Yapping Yankees throughout the pandemic when there was the downtime. As you said, it could impact players. They played spring training months and months ago, had to stop out of nowhere, and then rapidly picked up activity for summer camp to get back into shape, to play an abbreviated season, and then they'll be done again come October. It was a routine like no players have had to do before. It was chaotic. And doctors all throughout baseball, especially doctors that evaluate pitchers with their arms, they were saying... This sort of a routine and this sort of thing this year could result in a big spike in injuries. In a lot of aspects for some different teams, it has done so. So yeah, you're right. This unusual year definitely has had an effect as well. At Evan D. Wetzel 4 says, Hell no! I have said for years he needs to get two to three year contracts. He's a 6'7 giant who is old when he becomes a free agent. Just bad luck. Well yes, as I mentioned before, even come next year in April, he'll be 29, pushing 30. And if a player is like a superstar by the time they're in their mid-20s already, like sort of a Mike Trout sort of a thing, if they're that young already, if you give them a nine-year deal or like a 10-year deal, well, then they'll just be in their mid-30s by the time it finishes. That's not the end of the world. But yes, especially with Judge's age, that could definitely have an impact, along with all of the other potential factors in the future that we're yet to see. But yeah, listen, I said basically six years. For those saying three years, I could understand that. People just don't have faith that he could stay on the field enough to be worthy of a very long contract. At Dominic Rucco says, I'm undecided on whether the Yankees should offer Judge a long-term deal, so I didn't vote in the poll. The fractured wrist isn't his fault, so he has basically missed 72 games so far. I think they should evaluate his health over the next two seasons before making a decision. And yeah, we hit on the fact that the fractured wrist with Jacob Junis was not his fault, but it is still an injury nonetheless. I mean, you could save that argument for the injury-prone, whether he's truly injury-prone or not argument. That's a whole other ball game that we've also already discussed before. But yes, you and I are basically on the same page with that. As I said, it's tough to truly dictate right now alone because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. As I said earlier, there are a variety of things that could take place that could just change everybody's thinking on this subject in the future. It could. He could miraculously have no more injury struggles going forward up until this discussion takes place again when the time comes. 
He could be a major factor in the Yankees winning a championship. I mean, these things could come into question. Those factors and others can have an impact. So yes, you and I are on the same page, and I would just wait until the time comes to see that. But as of now, yeah, I'll stick with my six years. At Peace Now for Life says, I'd be very happy with a long-term deal for Judge. I love what he brings both offensively and defensively. Injuries are tough, but can happen to any player. Judge's positives far outweigh the few injuries he's had. Yeah, absolutely. We all know what Judge is capable of and what he has done. That's why it's so frustrating when he gets hurt because we know what we're missing out on. And yes, of course, the Yankees have the iconic next man up squad to lessen the blow with these injuries. But nonetheless, it is really frustrating and it's a big blow to lose a guy with the talent of Aaron Judge. And that's why it's so frustrating that he keeps getting hurt. Even if it is just a mild calf strain like the one earlier this past past week. Next is at Aaron Loves NYY, and she says yes, because he is the heart of the team, and I'd rather take 100 games with him than none. I mean, I guess I can understand that logic. If it comes down to it, even if he misses some time in a regular season, you'd rather him play for those 100 or maybe 120 games or so, give or take, I suppose. You'd rather have him for that long than never by losing him to another team. At Z Official 4 says, I wouldn't be comfortable with anything over four to five years. The injuries are just too frequent. Ultimately, you have to pay Judge and give him the long-term deal. There's no way we let him walk, but you have to really hold your nose before offering him the long-term deal. And that's basically what I was saying before. I just really don't see him leaving, and I don't see the Yankees letting him walk, and that's why I do think they should offer him this long-term deal if six years qualifies with that. I know when the long-term deal expression is mentioned, nine, ten years come to mind, but I'm willing to offer about six. I said that before. Six years is where I'm at, and I'm definitely offering him that sixth If it comes down between four or five and then he wants six, if that's the deciding factor on whether he stays or walks, I'm giving him the sixth year, personally. But again, in this moment, I can't blame anybody who's saying three, four, maybe five years. I get it because of the age, the injury risk, and because of how horrible some long-term deals have worked out, particularly for the Yankees in the past. I understand. And I had that fear too. I'm not sure I really want to ever see another 10-year contract ever again. And I know what you're probably thinking. You're saying, oh, Mike, but what about Garrett Cole? completely other story. He was the ace that the Yankees have been looking for forever, and they could not afford to let him go to another team. And thank God the Yankees didn't let him go to another team, because look how vital he's been to the rotation this year so far. So I rest my case there. As far as what happens later, we'll see. All I know is that if we offered much less than we did for Garrett Cole, we very well may have missed out on him. Again, different situation. I digress. (laughs) Up next is at makeup underscore mofo, and she says, four more years, maybe. Not any longer than that. All right, fair enough. You're not the only one to say four years, give or take. At 1325, Bent says, yes, long-term with incentives to keep him on the field. All right, fair enough. Yeah, incentives could definitely come into it. At Yankee Raider 81 says, I would like to see an offer for four to five years and with stipulations. If he's constantly hurt, he's not any help to the team and not worth the money. Especially what we have in the minors, they can focus on making those players better. And yeah, hey, even just before or in many past episodes, I've already given my shout outs to the Next Man Up crew, all of the young talent the Yankees have, and their ability to just come in in place of those big guns like Aaron Judge when they go down to injury and perform as incredible as they do, they are very special. But yeah, it seems like stipulations are being mentioned, incentives. So some of you are on the same page with that. Up next is at Long Fisherman. And Long Fisherman says, I'd have to say no unless it was an incentive-laden deal that is based on playing time. I'd give him a deal with comparable financial numbers, but it would have to be prorated based on playing time if he missed more than, say, 20 games. I mean, even with all the resting time that's given, he may even come close to missing 20 games even without being hurt at all. Let's let's think about that. How much rest time Boone likes to give to these guys, how many times he switches the lineup around. But yeah, I don't know if prorated or like the incentives or anything like that. I don't know if that would ever come into play. Who knows? As we know, baseball usually just works with, yep, this is what you're guaranteed, and that's that. But I get what you're saying. That's what you would do if you were in charge, and that's fair. At MDaily20 says, I'd extend him, but I would not go to 10 years at this very moment. This would all change if Stanton somehow opted out. Also, it'd be contingent on what Stanton does. All right, well, yeah, that would certainly open up some capabilities with money if Stanton weren't on the team. I'm not saying I want Stanton gone, but it's no secret that Stanton has a monster contract right now, and obviously if that contract wasn't there, the Yankees can direct that money elsewhere. That's all I'm saying. 
But yeah, I'm not going 10 years with basically anybody that isn't the best player on the planet at their position. Or as I said before, if they're only like 24 or 25 years old and they're an absolute superstar like Mike Trout, for instance, that you just want to lock up until at least his mid-30s. Even someone like Fernando Tatis Jr., but those are like the only instances where I would even consider that. Like in this moment, Tatis Jr. is only 21 years old. If he still proves to be the superstar he looks like in the next two, three years when he's 23, 24, I might offer him like a 10-year contract, but that's basically it, as I said. At Wilt128 says, as of right now, nothing more than four years, 125, but he's still got time before he's due. And yeah, that's the key to it. He's got time. Anything can happen until then. And that's what I was saying earlier. But again, I understand the people who are maybe only willing to go about four or five years. I understand that. And as you know, I'm not even that far off. I said six years, but I would just hope with the separation of maybe a year or two, you know, the two sides would be able to work on that. At Chappie22 is up next, and he says, I mean, he's in his prime and he's being coddled when he plays a couple of games on turf, can't stay on the field, so nope, I don't feel comfortable. All right, fair enough. And yeah, we'll get into the whole turf situation and how Boone and the Yankees revealed the fact that Aaron Judge was hurt. It was kind of a mess. We'll get to it later. But I get it. People have their concerns over his health. Up next, we have at FinsUpDW1, and they say only an extension until he plays a full season injury-free. Well, again, as I said before, because of the fact that Boone likes to change up the lineup, give a lot of days off, and properly rest... And while I agree that's done way overboard at times in baseball, especially with the Yankees on certain days, that's the way that it is. And even if he is fully healthy for a whole year, because of those facts with the Yankees and Aaron Boone, he's probably not going to play 162 regardless. So as a full season, I guess you just mean injury-free and not necessarily all 162. And that is what you said, so fair enough. You're just asking him to prove that he can play a season injury-free. Okay. At Dallas A. Rosamy says, absolutely. It sucks judges hurt a lot, but he always comes back before the season ends. Well, yeah, he usually does. All right, let's do just a few more before we move on to Instagram and wrap up this week's poll segment. Up next here on Twitter, we have at BHayden329, and they say it is never smart to give out long-term 10-year deals to anybody. The production is never there in the last two to three years. That being said, they'll either have to do a long-term deal or make a five to six-year deal for a huge amount of money. Well, yeah, you heard me go with the six year, and I think six years is somewhat long, but I know when people hear long term, they think nine, ten years. I get that. But me personally, six years is no short term to me. It's probably more in the middle. But yeah, as I said before, I feel very similarly to you as far as the 10-year deals are concerned. Usually towards the end, it's just not really worth the contract. But as far as the six years, you and I are on the same page. As I said, though, a lot of it has to do with certain things that happen in the future until this time comes, and just how much Aaron Judge values having more years or not. At Alan Dexter 2020 says, I like Judge as a person and athlete, but no long-term extension. Three to four years with incentives such as playing 140 games or more and other incentives. We already had Ellsbury, now Stanton's long-term bad contract. Judge is very close to being like Stanton. Well, it goes without saying that Stanton has had a lot more years in the league than Judge has, but I get what you're getting at. And yeah, as I mentioned before, in the past, especially with guys like Ellsbury, the Yankees have not had too much luck with big contracts, and in general, just not too big a fan of them. But yes, it does seem we have another person mentioning possibly including incentives. All right, let's do two more. Up next, we have at Ask Bruce Edwards, and Bruce says, I love Aaron, but he's unfortunately becoming one of those players like Teixeira, who's proving to be made of glass. Do you think Joe D ever had a little tightness? (laughs) Maybe. I do know, of course, it's common knowledge that the players back then really played through injuries a lot more. I do know that. That's common knowledge. And you also had a lot of guys like Mickey Mantle playing games while they're drunk. (laughs) It was just a different world back then. But yeah, I'm sure they experienced a little tightness at some point, but I assume they just played through it. And finally, we will finish up with at mshull05, and they say, I love Judge, but he's going to have to prove he can stay healthy first. He's a beast when healthy, but he does no good on the IL. Well, there's really no better way to put it than that. You know, that was all I was preaching before. We all know what Judge does when he's healthy. He is an animal out there. He's a monster. But of course, you can't show that if you're injured. 
But as for Twitter, guys, that is all for today with the replies. As always, thank you all for the poll interactions on there. There were a lot of replies, as usual, that I did not get to, unfortunately. But as I said earlier, guys, just keep on commenting on future polls, and I promise in the future I will do my best to get to you. But let's head on to Instagram before we wrap up this week's poll segment. Of course, the same question applies. Can you say you'd be comfortable giving Aaron Judge a long-term deal in the future? And just like on Twitter, the two choices were absolutely or no, you wouldn't. And on Twitter, 61% of the voters voted for the fact that they would give him a long-term deal in the future, and 39% voted that they would not. Here on Instagram, things were a little different. 54% of you who voted on Instagram voted that you would not give Aaron Judge a long-term deal in the future, and 46% of you voted that you would. So the results, not only were they very close, but the winning choice on Instagram as opposed to Twitter was different. More people on Instagram would not give him the long-term deal. So let's get to some Instagram replies and then we'll move on to Yankees news from this past week. Up first, we have my good friend and my brother, Matt O'Leary. Be sure to follow him on all social media platforms at Matt O'Leary NY. Check out his great content. Matt has been such a close friend of mine for a half a decade now, and I definitely want to give him a shout out whenever I can. And Matt had to say the only reason that he voted no is because injuries scare him right now. If he proves he can stay healthy more consistently in the future, that will obviously change to yes. And yes, Matt, that is what I said, the future. Many things can happen going forward that could change this entire discussion and everyone's opinions on it. But injuries do scare me too, as I have voiced as well, and I understand. I cannot blame anybody who feels this way. Up next, we have my brother's friend, whose name is also Matt, Matt Schwartz.14, and this Matt says the guy is a different species. So I guess you would give him the long-term deal then, alright? That's a funny way of saying it. Up next, we have Kylie6664, and Kylie says Aaron Judge is literally the Yankees' current Jeter. His name will forever live in Yankees' legacy. They don't give special spots to the stadium to just anyone. He's one of the best-selling jerseys ever and great for the Yankees' industry on and off the field. He's human. He gets hurt. But he's still an A-plus player with amazing sportsmanship, which a lot of players seem to lack nowadays. Whew. You just made a very good case for him, Kylie. (laughs) I mean, I agree with everything you just said. I can't argue with that, and I've said many times in the past how much he mirrors Jeter and that he's the epitome of a forever Yankee, as I said many times earlier, and we seem to be on the same page with that. Nothing you just said about the characteristics of Aaron Judge or even his jersey sales is very debatable. It's all true. I agree. Up next is my girlfriend at Vic Salimo, and Vic says, While I adore Judge and would love to say yes, I have to think from a business perspective. If Judge can't stay healthy and play a full season or majority of the season, especially right now when he is at the most crucial part of his career, to determine whether or not he should get a long-term deal, it may not be worth the move from the business perspective. Well, first off, before I reply to what you said, Vic, I do want to say that it was Victoria's birthday on Wednesday the 12th this past week. If you follow me on social media, you saw the awesome posts that I put up about her on her birthday, and I just want to give her a quick shout out here on this show and say happy birthday, Vic. I love you so much, and I'm glad you had an awesome birthday. As far as what you said, I mean, yeah, you're thinking from the business perspective, and you're not wrong. It's obviously something the Yankees would have to evaluate when the time comes. Up next, we had Cy, and Cy says, not a 10-year deal. I can agree with that. Then we had my good friend Tina, Mountain Gal 456, and Tina says, I voted yes because he's homegrown, a great athlete, talented player, and beloved by the fans, but I don't think he will get a Mike Trout type of salary if he continues to miss games due to injuries, unfortunately. If he stays healthy, look out, he's a dangerous player. 100%, Tina. We all know how dangerous Aaron judges when he's on the field, but that's the key. He's got to be on the field. And last but not least, to finish up the poll segment for this week, as always, since I love to end off the segment with her, we have my beautiful mother, Julia Gina Scudero, and my mom says, I do get concerned about him being so prone to injuries, but I believe he has very similar presence in the clubhouse as Jeter. I'm hoping they could get this guy a good trainer. I love Judge. I mean, yeah, they just replaced basically the entire training staff this past offseason after what happened in 2019, and some injuries still seem to be occurring, so if it is a trainer problem, then yeah. Yeah, mom, I completely agree. Hopefully they just get a trainer that could get Judge straight and keep him on the field where we know he is lethal. So yes, I completely agree with you as I love Judge too, as all of you know I do. When he's on the field, and yes, that's the key, when he's on the field, 
He is one of the best players on the planet, period. But that's all for this week's replies, guys, on Twitter and Instagram. As always, I want to thank each and every one of you for taking the time to join in on the fun with this week's Yapping Yankees poll. As usual, you know I greatly appreciate all of your interactions, guys, your votes, your replies, the whole deal. And you know the drill, as I've said time and time again. Just keep on replying to future polls if I did not get to you this week. And I will do my absolute best to get to your reply and give you that shout-out in a future Yapping Yankees episode. But let's keep moving right along and get to this past week's Yankees news. We've got a couple of things to unpack here. Starting on Monday with some roster moves. Namely, Thyro Estrada, who was optioned yet again to the alternate site after Sunday's game against the Tampa Bay Rays. And if you recall on last week's episode, I was saying how he was being optioned and brought back over and over again because there were lots of roster moves being made due to injuries, Stanton's in particularly, because they were deciding what to do about DHing in his absence at the time. And by the way, Thyro Estrada has since returned to the team yet again because of a certain injury that the Yankees had after Tuesday night's game against the Braves, which we will get to shortly. But that wasn't all for Monday because after the news of Thyro being optioned, then later in the day they announced that they'd be promoting Clint Frazier prior to Tuesday's game against the Braves. And here, there is quite a bit to discuss because I just have to dedicate a few minutes to how great Clint Frazier has been since returning, and you'll be hearing more details about it specifically when we recap this past week's Yankee games. But Clint Frazier has been nothing short of incredible since he was given the chance to come back and make an impact on this team earlier in the week. I did hint on last week's episode that when all the roster moves are being made, there may come a time where there's a decision being made on who gets the call, whether it be Miguel Andujar or Clint Frazier to be more of a mix in the DH picture, and it did end up being Clint Frazier, who a lot of people were calling for to be the one to get the chance, and he did end up getting it after all, after Stanton was moved to the injured list. The Yankees did call him up from the alternate site. He joined the team on Tuesday after saying that if he gets the chance, he really thinks that he's ready to go for this year and he wants to show what he can do. And he really, really thinks he just has what it takes this time around to make a humongous impact. And you know what? He has done just that since the first at-bat back when he hit a solo shot. To tie the game in Wednesday's game, he did join the team on Tuesday, but on Wednesday, he was in the lineup and he was playing right field. He wasn't DHing because Mike Ford was DHing on Wednesday, but we know at certain points he will be incorporated into the DH picture, and he has been so far. And as I said before, in his very first at-bat, he made an impact right away, tying the game with a solo shot in his first at-bat back. But he was in right field, and he's played some pretty good defense since returning, making a nice diving catch last night in the game against the Red Sox. And he has continued to hit homers at the plate while also just manufacturing runs, getting on base, hitting singles, doubles, doing the whole thing. And most of all, which is one of the main things that people were concerned about because we know how bad Clint Frazier was in the clubhouse. He had that reputation in the past to just be a cancer in the clubhouse. He just hasn't had a lot of good moments with the Yankees because of his personality and his attitude in the past. And just his overall presence was mainly seen as a big negative. But this year, it seems different. Because not only have we seen such contribution from Clint on the field, but we have even seen a lot of examples of maturity from Clint off the field, which is something that we did not see much of in the past. And most of all, I just really, really like guys who go to the media and say, if I'm given a chance to do something, I will show what I can do and I will make an impact. I will make my chance worthwhile and do all I can. That's what he said before his first game back on Wednesday. And as I said before, he lived up to his word from the second he stepped up to the plate for the first time again on Wednesday when he hit that game-tying solo shot. And it's been nothing but high spirits and positivity and contribution from Clint since then. I know it's a small sample size so far here in 2020, but we all know that Clint has always been a very capable bat. We know that. We know he's always been very good at the plate. His strength is hitting. But he had a lot of problems defensively, and if last night's diving catch is any indication of an improvement, then it should be good going forward. 
I know it's just one play, but think about how rarely Clint Frazier makes a play like that. If that starts happening more consistently and he can prevent some of the bad drops he had, even on routine fly balls in the past, then that could even put an end to his defensive struggles. And as far as him being a bad guy to have in the clubhouse in the past, if he truly has matured as much as it seems he does from our perspective on the outside, well then, my friends, Clint Frazier is officially a force to be reckoned with. And I am glad he got this shot. We will get into more details on just how much he's done since he returned when we get to the weekly recap segment later of this past week's Yankee games. But right now, again, I just have to dedicate a few minutes here in Yankees news to how incredible Clint Frazier has been since returning. Because again, although it's a small sample size, he's been a lot of fun to watch and his impact on the team the last few days has certainly been felt. So that all began when this report of them calling him up from the alternate site came out on Monday, and they announced that they would be promoting him prior to Tuesday's game, which is why they did promote him on Tuesday officially, but he didn't play until Wednesday because they officially promoted him just before Tuesday's game. And he has had a little bit more of a role in right field and not just solely DH because of what I'm about to tell you about Aaron Judge, which of course we hit on back in the poll segment, but we're going to get into more detail about in this segment. And that is the fact that Aaron Judge was removed from Tuesday night's game against the Atlanta Braves and later was diagnosed with the very mild calf strain that I told you about earlier. But the path to get to that diagnosis was quite interesting and I'll explain why. On Tuesday, when the Yankees had a five-run lead against Atlanta, just a five-run lead, Judge was taken out of the game mysteriously. And it made a lot of Yankee fans, including myself, scratch our heads. We were like, well, why did they do that? It is just a five-run lead. And of course, since the Yankees have been so haunted with injuries the last couple of years, obviously, we all started to think the worst. So then Boone takes the podium with the Zoom press conference, as they call it, after the game with the media. And the media rightfully asked him, why with just a five-run lead in that moment did you take Aaron Judge out of the game? And Aaron Boone said that they just basically took him out just out of precaution because they were on turf in Tampa for a few days. And we know how turf has had the tendency to injure some players in the past, but it was more or less just because of the turf and out of precaution. I have the quote right here. Boone specifically said, quote, coming off of four days on the turf and with a little bit of leverage there, just trying to be smart with these guys. Judge hasn't really had that day down. I gave him the DH day on August 5th, and I just want to make sure we're being smart with everyone, end quote. So yeah, just precaution. That's basically what it sounds like. But then, <laughs> the next day was when it got interesting, because then it was revealed that it really just wasn't out of precaution, but because he is experiencing lower body tightness, like the hip, some muscles in the legs, but that's all they described it as, just lower body tightness. So it would seem that even after people were suspicious about Boone's original reasoning and they still didn't think it made any sense, especially since they had just had the day off the night before on Monday, it appeared that Boone just straight up lied to the media about Judge's true condition. And we know that this isn't the first time that a Yankees manager or somebody in the Yankees organization has lied about the condition of a player, even going back to the Girardi days. But for the love of God, can we please stop doing it? Because it's frustrating enough to deal with a player being hurt and lying about it only piles on and makes it even more annoying. So can we please just stop lying about players' conditions? Because it really just isn't a good look. So can we just stop it? How about it, huh? Can we stop? So the lower body tightness news was what we had for a couple of days until Friday came around because again, of course, the Yankees were off on Thursday and then Friday came around and the question became whether we were going to see Aaron Judge in the Yankee lineup against the Red Sox for the first game of their four game set or not. And if not, then people were obviously going to be making their assumptions about what's going on, what his true injury is, and what his true condition is, because hey, at times we can't even seem to trust Aaron Boone to tell us the truth in front of the media with their Zoom conference. And on top of that, Aaron Boone was supposed to meet with the media at 4 o'clock on Friday, but then he pushed it back to 5.20, and the lineup actually came out before Aaron Boone even met the media, and of course Aaron Judge was not in the lineup. So before Aaron Boone even spoke, Yankee fans were coming up with their own assumptions and saying what Judge's condition probably is, especially since he wasn't in the lineup. And that was just a grand old time waiting for Boone's press conference to start. But when he came on, he did confirm that Aaron Judge had a very mild strain of his calf and that they did, in fact, move him to the 10-day injured list. 
Now, Boone moving the presser back to 520 all but confirmed that Judge was not going to be in the lineup at the very least on Friday. But of course, the IL news was just disappointing. It really was. And to fill in his spot on the roster, this was the point in time where they did recall Thyro Estrada. So Friday was when Thyro rejoined the team when they officially moved Judge to the injured list. But as far as Judge himself is concerned, the relieving part is that it was just a mild calf strain. And there actually is a positive about the situation with Judge that came out today that we'll talk about in just a moment. But the move to put Aaron Judge on the injured list is retroactive to Wednesday the 12th. So that's the official date for the start of his IL stint. And he should be ready to be reinstated from the IL by next weekend if he's ready to go by then. Which, as I'll say in a few minutes, he should be. But he's been going through some treatment, doing some rehabbing and workouts. And if that continues to go well, by the time this weekend ends, which of course is very shortly, then he should be able to resume baseball activities by tomorrow, which obviously is really good. And I just hope they're being careful because I just want my boy Aaron Judge to be okay. I just want him to be all right. Is that too much to ask? But there was actually a good piece of news with Judge that was reported about an hour ago today. This is what I was talking about just before. And he did say that he feels 100% already here on Sunday, here in the early afternoon. And he actually also revealed that he had begged the Yankees to not even put him on the IL in the first place, and that he could play today if he had to. So that likely means he will in fact be resuming activities, but I get why the Yankees would want to be extra careful with this crazy season. A lot of people were complaining about this on Twitter, and I understand, but I also get where the Yankees might be coming from. Because the important thing is, honestly, for Judge to remain healthy for as long as possible and not make a minor injury like this one into a major one. And most importantly, to have him ready for the postseason, which is obviously what's truly important, the main priority, especially this season. So despite this news about this very mild calf strain around the middle of the week, he seems to be ready to go. And yes, it is frustrating to hear that they may have not even have had to move him to the IL and he could be ready to go today had it been required of him. But for the reasons I just said before, I can understand also why the Yankees are being so careful and giving him all the time that he needs, especially because he's had the tendency to already play through injuries and possibly even make them worse. I mean, one of those potentially could be when he cracked the rib back last September on the diving play. He played through it throughout the playoffs, and we all know how long it took that to heal just before this abbreviated season started pretty much. All of those months later. So I get it, but he does seem ready to go, so we just basically have to wait for him to be reinstated next weekend officially off the injured list. That's what it seems like. So fingers crossed for him, guys, to be fine when he resumes his baseball activities and that he stays healthy the rest of the way. Please, just stay healthy. But just thank God that he said that he feels 100% and he's basically ready to go. I know he begged them not to put him on the injured list, but at least it just sounds like we just have to ride out the rest of this IL stint and he'll be ready to go by next weekend when the Yankees take on the Mets at Citi Field. And hopefully he could go the rest of the way without any further injury problems. Speaking of injury problems, though, it did not end with Judge because unfortunately last night, and this is the last part we have for today for Yankees news, and then we'll get to recapping this past week's games before we end, but the injuries did not end with Judge from this past week because last night, a huge potential blow to the Yankees, depending on his timeline of being out, of course, which there is none yet, but DJ LeMayhew last night, he seemed to get hurt on an awkward swing he took in last night's game, Saturday night against the Red Sox. And it seemed to be something with his wrist initially, maybe his hand, maybe his arm, but he stayed in the game for about another inning or so before the Yankees took him out of the game in, I believe, the sixth inning. They defensively substituted Tyler Wade in for him at second base, and a little while after that, it was revealed that he has a sprained thumb. So, not a terrible injury, but an injury nonetheless. And obviously it's a big deal regardless, considering how important DJ LeMahieu is to this team. I mean, need I even get into his importance? We've spoken about it endlessly on this show, and it easily goes without saying. But the injury was apparently bad enough to put him on the IL because they did move him to the 10-day injured list today, giving him the time he needs to heal. And of course, I and the entire fan base, I think it's plenty safe to say, hope he comes back as soon as possible. And as I said earlier, there is no timetable on his return just yet. He's seeking a second opinion tomorrow from the same hand specialist who treated him in 2018 when he sprained his thumb that year too when he was with the Rockies. So let's hope for the best with that because obviously, despite the phenomenal depth that the Yankees have, which we've spoken about many times, 
the contributions from DJ since becoming a Yankee are basically irreplaceable. The Yanks simply don't get to where they got to last year without him. And even this year, of course, he has also continued to be a vital part of this team. They don't get to where they are. They don't have a portion of the success they have without him. His offensive capabilities, especially in the clutch with runners in scoring position, and his gold glove caliber defense. So... Say your prayers, people. In the meantime, the Yankees did recall Miguel Andujar to replace DJ's spot on the roster while he's on the injured list, so Miggy's back. And it's pretty funny, just last week, people were debating on whether Andujar or Clint Frazier should have gotten the chance after Stanton was injured. And now, although it's not the way you would have liked for it to happen... They're both with the team anyway, so that's the way that that is. But we will see if Miggy can come back hot after he started the season on the slower side for the brief time he was here before being optioned, but clearly, 2020 has not done enough, and 2019 didn't have enough injuries, so let's just take DJ now, even if just for a short time. (laughs) Does it ever end? Does it ever end? (sighs) Listen, (laughs) I know there's only so much I can complain about. The Yanks are facing the garbage Red Sox right now. They're in the middle of a big homestand, and they've played so well at the stadium this year, as they've always usually done. Granted, many of their home games have been against Boston, but my point still stands. They've still taken care of all others they've faced at home. And by home, I don't mean as a home team on paper in Citizens Bank Park. I mean in the stadium, in the Bronx. But they're also 14-6, and six, likely going to be 15-6 and six when this night is over because of how awful the Red Sox are. They have one of the best records in baseball with teams like Oakland and the Cubs just barely, barely being better by like a game. And as we've said numerous times, the Yankees have their resources and their talent. The next man up squad that was made so famous in the injury crap storm last year to come in and lessen the blow of big injuries. That's what they do. And they're fortunate to have that ability to have so much depth and so much skilled and talented depth at that to almost make you even temporarily forget that the big guns are gone. I mean, the next man up squad is truly remarkable. But even so, are these injuries ever going to end? There has never been a team that has suffered with injuries like the Yankees the last couple of years, particularly last year when they had 30-plus guys go to the injured list. This is just a fact, people. It's... It's so exhausting on top of all the other problems in this garbage year. 2020 overall just has no limits. But again, as far as this season's concerned, I am confident in the guys who have stepped up both last year and this year so far, and at times again, they have made us even temporarily forget that the big guys are gone at times. Clint Frazier, Mike Ford, Mike Talkman, Thyra Estrada, Tyler Wade, and even Miguel Andujar now, since he has returned from the alternate site, and let's be honest, I put him in this category now because Gio has his job at third base, and there are better options, especially defensively out in the outfield, where they did try him out there briefly, particularly in left, and I'm not saying Miggy isn't important or that I don't like him. I've said countless times how much I actually love Miggy on this podcast. I've rooted for him a ton to correct his defensive struggles, but if we're being honest, the third base job is primarily Geo's. we know this, and the outfield at this moment should definitely more so go to guys like Talkman and Frazier when the big guns like Judge go down. But regardless, to my overall point, the Yankees have all of those names that they're so fortunate to have become such talents and such excellent fallbacks, or even platoon guys if need be, and they all do great jobs in lessening the blow of big injuries. And hopefully they can continue on as they have, and far beyond when they finish facing the Sox, because my god, are the Red Sox just brutal. No legitimate, established starting pitching, with the exception of Nathan Nivaldi yesterday, basically. Their bullpen is extremely weak and taxed because they're also being overused due to the lack of starting pitching, and they still have respectable bats in the lineup, but if you strip away guys like J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, both of which haven't even gotten off to a great start in the first third of this season, they haven't been utterly brutal, but they definitely haven't been good either, especially compared to past years. Granted, we're only 20 games in during a shortened and never-before-seen season, but you get my point. So far, they haven't been great. But if you strip them away, and definitely Bogarts too, this team would basically have absolutely nothing. There would still be a couple of good names left, like Alex Verdugo. Christian Vasquez is pretty good too, but that's not nearly enough to save them. The Red Sox are just a 6-15 and dumpster fire heading into tonight's game, if the rain permits. 
It's an ugly overcast and rainy day today here in New York so far. But hey, as far as how bad the Red Sox are and how easy it might be to beat them or how easily the Yankees should beat them, how many times have I said this? Part of the game is beating the bad teams too. How many times have I said that on this show? Seriously, I have said it ad nauseum. You gotta beat the weaker teams too. So by all means, continue to beat up on the Sox because for one thing, they're horrendous. And for another, well, they're the Red Sox. I despise them. But also keep up the good work beyond the Red Sox. Crushing Tampa during this upcoming week after Boston is very important because as I said they would be before this abbreviated season started because they're a bunch of pests, as we were reminded of last weekend, Tampa's not far behind at all in the standings as of now before action gets started today. Them and the Orioles. Weird, right? The Orioles. They're even a half a game ahead of Tampa right now before action gets underway today. The Orioles are two games back and Tampa is two and a half. Yeah, the Orioles. (laughs) There's only one explanation for that. 2020. That's the answer to pretty much everything that makes no sense these days. But in any event, again, I do hope, of course, that the Yanks continue to play well going forward as they've definitely turned a corner again in a good way with their gameplay this past week after the Tampa series at the Trop last weekend and that the Next Man Up crew continues to do their thing, racking up wins and produce better than anyone can even fully understand. But of course, we also hope that those who are injured return as soon as possible, particularly Judge and DJ especially, who are considered to have lesser injuries, especially Judge, that shouldn't keep them out for too long hopefully in DJ's case. In Judge's case, he sounds like he's ready to go and he just has to ride out the rest of his IL stint. But for DJ, hopefully not too long. You hear that, God? Not too long. At all. Hopefully you heard me if you're taking a break from sipping your Corona beer on your hammock as the world goes to hell. Make it happen. Not long, all right? But speaking of the Yankees turning a good corner this past week since starting their homestand after the Tampa series last weekend, why don't we get to recapping this past week's games? There isn't as much to recap as usual because, of course, today's game is yet to happen since it's a night game in a few hours, and the rain may not even let it happen, but let's keep our fingers crossed for that. We'll have to see. There have been a couple of times I've recorded after a 1 o'clock game, and I have recapped those games on certain Sundays before too, but usually not anymore. But as far as the rest of this past week is concerned, as you know, the Yankees also had off on Monday and Thursday. So since I recorded last week's episode before the final game against Tampa even started last Sunday, we'll go through that one quickly, as well as the Tuesday and Wednesday games against Atlanta in the Bronx and the first half of this odd Friday to Monday four-game set against Boston, because usually the four-game sets are from Thursday to Sunday, but this one happens to be on Friday through Monday, so I'll recap the first half of this four-game set against Boston, which are obviously the games from Friday and last night, and that'll be that for today. So last Sunday in Tampa, we said that Paxton was going to be on the hill, and hopefully he would do well and the Yankees could grab a series split at the Trop, which is always a very annoying place for them to play in. Unfortunately, they couldn't grab the split. They did end up losing 4-3 to in what was another very frustrating game full of wasting chances with runners in scoring position, leaving runners on base in general, and some decisions being made that proved costly, particularly when Boone decided to take Paxton out. And it sucks that the seventh inning had to mess things up for Paxton's start a little bit, but Paxton did do better. I did briefly talk about last week before the game started about how if Paxton still didn't have his velocity back, how I had hoped that he would mix up his stuff in his arsenal from his changeup, his cutter, his curveball, his slider, and incorporate that with the fastball as well that is lower in velocity, which really stinks because as we know, that 97-98 mile an hour fastball for Paxton in the past was a really good putaway pitch for him, but if he doesn't have that anymore, hopefully he can mix it up a little bit. He did just that, and he did fine all the way up until the seventh inning when he gave up a two-run shot and then a solo shot to allow a 3-3 tie in the game that the Yankees were winning 3-0 at the time. Boone was criticized for keeping him in for just a little bit too long in that seventh inning, but the Yankees would end up losing that game after Zach Britton gave up the game-winning run in the bottom of the ninth, and the Yankees lost that game 4-3, so they didn't get the series split really, really annoying series yet again in the trop. But the Yankees were returning home. We know how good the Yankees are in the Bronx, and everybody was hoping they would get back to their winning ways. And so far they have, so let's jump right to Tuesday. Yankees and the Braves in the Bronx, Jordan Montgomery on the mound for the Yankees, and the scoring would start right away in the bottom of the first. Luke Voigt hit a three-run homer to make it 3-0. Then it was 4-0 after Luke Voigt lined out sharply at third base, and the throwing error by Braves third baseman Austin Riley made it 4-0 
0-0 Yankees. Then it was 6-0 Yankees after a two-run double by Mike Ford, and the Yankees are just piling on at this point. They continued even more in the bottom of the fifth after Aaron Judge hit a solo shot to right center field, an absolute bomb. That was his ninth of the year, and he was taken out of the game shortly after this home run because, again, this was the night that he was removed from the game. But the scoring wasn't done in the bottom of the fifth because then Mike Ford would ground into a double play, but Aaron Hicks came home to score to make it 8 nothing. Then at this point, it started to get a little scary, believe it or not, even up 8 to nothing. Because Montgomery, even though he ended up making it through six innings, started to get a little tired at the end, and he ended up giving up a home run, a three-run shot to Marcelo Zuna. That made it 8-3, to three, and then starting in the seventh, the bullpen took over in the likes of David Hale and Luis Sessa at first, and neither of them did a good job. It was 8-4 to four after Dansby Swanson grounded into a fielder's choice, and then Mike Ford added on just one more run on an RBI double, so very nice by Mike Ford there to add on some insurance. Then in the top of the eighth, Johan Camargo would drive in a run on a double, and then Tyler Flowers would hit an RBI double himself in the top of the eighth as well. At that point, it was 9-6, to six, and fortunately, the Yankees would hold on and win by that score. So despite Hale and Sessa looking pretty bad that night when they had a very comfortable lead, the Yankees held on to win 9-6, to six. Montgomery got the win, and all was well in the first game back in the Bronx. Then the next night, the Yankees winning would continue because they would win 6-3. to three. And the big story of the game was Clint Frazier on how good he was because this was his first night back after being promoted back up to the Yankees from the alternate site, and you'll hear that in just a minute, and with the continuing days against the Red Sox as well. But in the top of the second, the Braves actually opened up the scoring with a two-run shot off of Masahiro Tanaka. He just went four innings that night, but it was 2-0 Atlanta after that. Then Gary Sanchez hit a solo shot to make a 2-1 in the bottom of the second, and then right after that, Clint Frazier in his first at-bat solo shot ties the game at two, then in the bottom of the fourth, Aaron Hicks hit an RBI double to give the Yankees a 3-2 lead. Glaber Torres hit an RBI single, and Glaber has been waking up too. Thank God. That's awesome to see. He made it 4-2 on an RBI single. Then in the bottom of the fifth, DJ LeMahieu, RBI single to make it 5-2. Then right after that, Luke Voigt made it 6-2 on an RBI single himself, and the Yankees would hold on for the 6-3 victory. But Frazier had himself a hell of a game when 3-4... Glaber Torres continued to start to wake up, all good stuff, and of course, this completed the two-game sweep. The Yankees, as I mentioned before, had Thursday off, and then on Friday, they welcomed in the god-awful Red Sox. Garrett Cole pitched a great game, seven innings of just one run allowed, eight strikeouts, and the offense piled on with 10 runs. In the bottom of the third, Things started off with Glaber Torres hitting a two-run double to make it two to nothing. Then in the bottom of the fifth, when it was two to one, Mike Talkman hit an RBI double to drive in Glaber Torres to make it three-one. Gary Sanchez two-run bomb to make it 5-1 to one right after that. Then in the bottom of the seventh, it was made 6-1 to one after a Mike Talkman RBI single, another hit for him. Then Clint Frazier, yet again, two-run double to make it 8-1 to one Yankees. Then the Red Sox would score a couple of times in the top of the eighth to make it 8-3. And then Mike Talkman again, who had himself just an awesome night, two-run single to make it 10-3, and that is the score that the Yankees obviously would win by. So again, another good night for Clint Frazier. Mike Talkman had himself a hell of a night and you could really just see the team getting into yet another groove at home. And finally, last night, James Paxton would be back on the hill since he showed significant improvement in the final game of that Tampa series last weekend. And although he definitely seemed to have labored through the start last night, he showed some good things again. Although he only struck out two people in five innings, he still managed to make it through five, only gave up the three runs that he surrendered in the third inning. But he fought his way through. He labored. He got the win at the end of the day. He did touch 95 miles per hour on his fastball again, which I loved to see. Maybe yet another sign of some good things to come for James Paxton. But other than that, again, as you can see from the final score, Yankees won 11-5. The Bats just did their thing yet again. Gio Rochella, two-run shot in the bottom of the first. Then the Red Sox tied it up and then took the lead in the top of the third off James Paxton, as I said, on a two-run single by J.D. Martinez and a solo shot by Xander Bogarts. Then in the bottom of the fourth, Gary Sanchez, another home run, a go-ahead two-run shot. He's been clubbing him right out again. Maybe this is a Sign of him waking up as well, but that shot made it 4-3, to three, and then in the bottom of the sixth, Clint Frazier yet again, 
a three-run oppo taco, an absolute nuke to right center field to make it 7-3, to three. and then Tyler Wade after that, another man and the next man up crew, RBI double to make it 8-3, to three. the Yankees just didn't look back after this, of course, then in the bottom of the seventh, Clint Frazier, again, two-run single, how many times have I said the guy's name here, 10-3 to three Yankees after that, Brett Gardner hit a sacrifice fly to make it 11 to 3 and then the Yankees would hold on after the Red Sox scored two more runs after that to win 11 to 5. And the Yankees ride into tonight's game in a few hours with a four-game winning streak and unfortunately Jay Happ is on the mound but hey, he could have a good game, who knows. Stranger things have happened. Right? <laughs> I guess we'll see, but that's what's ahead for tonight. Let's just hope the offense scores a boatload of runs. They did skip Jay haps last start, so hopefully, maybe, if we can catch a blessing, maybe some of the time off did him some good, and maybe he could throw a half-decent game tonight. We'll see. The lineup's probably going to be out soon. It hasn't been released just yet. With my luck, it'll probably be released shortly after I'm done recording. It's going to be weird without DJ there, though, man. I think they'll be okay, but it's still a tough loss. You can't deny that. But as far as what's ahead, the Yankees will wrap up this weird Friday to Monday four-game set against the Red Sox tomorrow night on Monday at 7.05 p.m. Eastern. Then on Tuesday, the series that I mentioned briefly before when Tampa comes to town, the Yankees will face the Tampa Bay Rays for three games here in the Bronx, starting on Tuesday for a three-game set at 7.05 p.m. Eastern. Also on Wednesday, same start time. And on Thursday, they will complete the three-game set against the Rays with a 1.05 p.m. Eastern start time. Again, very important series to knock the Rays down a bit in the standings. And then the Yankees will have a three-game weekend series against the Mets at Citi Field, starting with the Friday game beginning at 7.10 p.m. Eastern. The Saturday night game will also be at 7.10. And on Sunday, they will wrap up the series at 1.10 p.m. Eastern. And I'll probably be taping Yapping Yankees episode 60 before that game even starts next Sunday. And wow, I actually, I cannot end the show without saying this. I just got this notification on my phone from Bleacher Report, but this is something very important to mention quickly. But the Yankees just announced that they will be reactivating Aroldis Chapman tomorrow. So they will activate their closer, Aroldis Chapman, tomorrow before the series ends against the Red Sox. Awesome news. Obviously, Chapman has not played this season yet because he tested positive for the coronavirus a few weeks ago but he will be activated tomorrow. Good. Not that the Yankees' bullpen needs any massive help, especially with the big guns. They still have an Ottavino, Green, Britain. They still have huge names back there, but especially after the loss of Tommy Canely, getting rolled as Chapman back will be nice. But that notification just came out a few minutes ago, apparently, and I just took another peek back at my phone, so that was something very nice to see before wrapping up the show here. But as for now, that is all for episode 59 of Yapping Yankees today, guys. One last shout-out to Team Left Jab and Grunt Talks MLB. Team Left Jab features Team Left Jab Uncensored and the Team Left Jab United Radio Network. Go follow Team Left Jab on all social media platforms at Team Left Jab and check out their great sports content across anywhere that you find podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Blog Talk Radio, iHeart, you name it. Be sure to check out Team Left Jab. And our other shout out goes to Grunt Talks MLB. Visit their website grunttalksmlb.com to see all of their baseball content and where they feature Yapping Yankee. Also follow the man behind the website, Darren, on Twitter at YankeeReport28. Special thanks, as always, to Grunt Talks MLB and Team Left Jab for helping spread the word every week about yapping Yankees. Also, guys, be sure to follow me on all social media platforms so you can keep up on the latest having to do with me personally, along with the Yankees and Yapping Yankees announcements or content. You can find my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. You can find my Twitter at Mike Scudero and my Instagram at MikeScuds97. And I'd also really appreciate it, guys, if you took the time to hit that subscribe button on the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel and also subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify as well. And while you're at it, listen back to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you've missed. Episodes 34 up to this one, episode 59, are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You know that Yapping Yankees is available on all four of those platforms, so do help spread the word and tell everybody you know to listen to Yapping Yankees. 
Once again, thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today. I am Mike Scudero and I will talk to you next Sunday, August 23rd, when I come at you with episode 60 of Yapping Yankees. Episode 60. Absolutely crazy. Until then, guys, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe out there, and of course, look out for your loved ones because you know what, guys? At the end of the day, your loved ones really are the ones that matter. But let's also hope for speedy injury recoveries and that the Yankees keep on winning, including tonight, despite J-Hap taking the hill. Wishful thinking. Have a good one, guys. Take care. (laughs) 